Well, better late than never, I guess. I mean, it's 9.16. Sorry, kids. I was working on something. Yes, indeed, I was working on something, and no, it was not this beer in this glass. That's an Anchor Steam glass, a very beautiful Anchor Steam glass. I love this glass. This beer is not Anchor Steam. This is Devil's Pale Ale from Great Lakes. I was working on this, but it wasn't much work. I was enjoying it too much. But what's it those stupid posters on the internet always say? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That's nonsense. Anyway, uh, that's not what I was working on. I was working on something that I was hoping I would be able to talk about tonight. And I might towards the end of the episode because... Maybe, but there's a good chance I won't. We'll have to see. But I was writing something. That's what it comes down to. Uh, hey, what's going on? Monday night, bit of a, I know I say this a lot, but gosh, it was a bit of a day for me, but I am happy to be here about to drink some delicious beer on the Toronto Beer Podcast with me. Did I mention this? Chris Schreier, your host. Happy to be back, guys. Happy to be here drinking beer. Trying to decide if I want to finish that Devil's Pale Ale. You get any Devil's Pale Ale this year? I did an episode on it a couple of episodes ago, didn't I, or did I not? I've forgotten now. I actually had to look back and see if I did this beer recently, and with the exception of one episode, which I forgot to properly title... And it just has, I have a file naming convention, but then when I upload the audio file, I change the name of it uh, to actually be something that makes sense to people other than me. Incidentally, file naming convention contains no information about the episode itself. It just gives me season, episode, and some basic, uh, um, well, filing <laughs> information. Um, so I have no idea. There is one episode that might have been this beer... But hey, it was a while ago, and maybe it was never ago. I'm pretty sure I did this beer's older sibling, but I'm not going to bury the lead anymore. If you haven't read the title already, we're going to be drinking Working Hard New England IPA from our friends and friends of the pod over at Muddy York Brewing. Um, I've had the working twice as hard, which they made in partnership, of course, with uh, our beloved friend, Ren uh, Navarro. And uh, that was a heck of a beer. Um, I have had this beer before. Uh, as noted, I don't think I've done it on the pod. So this is hopefully going to be like the first time I've really dug into it. But maybe it's the second. Maybe we can compare. Somebody can let me know. I'm not going to go back and look. But if you want to, you go right ahead. I will thank you. Mmm. Just having another sip of that Devil's Pale Ale. I was going to say I won't stop you from doing it, but indeed, not only will I not stop you, I'll say thanks. Unless you're a real jerk about it, in which case I'll tell you to go do something to yourself with yourself. Anyway, hey, Jake. Jake's just joined us. Uh, let's get drinking. Sorry, I got an itchy back. I'm going to keep leaning in towards the camera to itch... Sort of my lower back. I don't know why it's itchy tonight. I might have fleas. Now I'm itching my chest. It is. It's fleas. It's clearly fleas. Humans not known for getting fleas, but you can. Takes some doing. Hey, let's open this beer up. 
I could be totally wrong about that, by the way. I've just never known anyone who had fleas. And I've had animals that have had fleas. I didn't get fleas. That I know of. We first moved into, not moved into, when my family first bought a cottage in the early 90s, there was sand fleas in the carpeting. And uh, our legs would get absolutely chewed up by them. So um, I believe they used some really nasty chemicals and destroyed them. I was pretty young at the time. I don't really remember. Um, well, I can already tell you visually this isn't the cleanest class, but we'll see what we see. Here we go. Oh, put it on the camera for the kids at home. You know how those kids, they like their... Uh, Oh, they like their videos and their ticks and their talks and their reels and their, I don't know what else. Those kids these days, what are they doing on the internet? Can't keep up. But what I can keep up with is this beer. That, as it should be, is a hazy, hazy IPA. Uh, that is opaque, as opaque gets. If you look around the corners, you can see through them. But when you look through the body of the beer, it's not quite orange juice. But it's in the neighborhood. It knows orange juice. Sometimes orange juice's mail gets delivered to its house, and it'll just run it down the way and give it their mail. And sometimes orange juice gets its mail and does the same in reverse, because it's a friendly neighborhood that way. And most importantly, they don't narc out their mailman for doing stuff like that. As an aside, that's never happened to me. I miss deliver mail all the time, I'm sure, but nobody's narked on me. So uh, don't nark on your mailman or mailwoman. Letter carrier is the more proper uh, term. Uh, be nice to us. It's been a rough 18 months for everybody, including us. Anyway, uh, hey, let's um, let's give this a sniff, eh? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me have another sniff. Kind of burning off the devil's pale ale, which I confess is unique and very distinctive. Just sniffing my arm, if you're watching the video, or if you're listening to the podcast, that wasn't me sniffing the beer, I'm sniffing my arm. I haven't mentioned this in a while, but sniffing your own body is a good way to try and reset your nose a little bit. Helps, trust me on this one. Uh, careful what part you smell. Don't smell your armpit. Just smell your forearm or the back of your hand if you haven't moisturized it recently. Subsequently, if you've moisturized your arm, don't smell that part either. Just you're looking for your skin. That's what you're trying to smell. All right. Here we go. Yeah, it's um, it's a very tropically smelling IPA, which you would expect for a New England IPA. Sorry, half my nose is a little blocked right now. I won't do you the disservice of blowing my nose into my microphone. Yeah. Yeah, like I would go with tropically. There's a bit of mango in there. There's obviously always going to be a bit of citrus. Um, hmm. Actually, no, there's something else in there. What are we getting here? It's like pineapple. You're almost star fruity. I'm going to taste it because, again, nose isn't my nose just isn't great these days. Is what it comes down to, guys. I'm just looking at it in the, the video. I can never remember. And my nose gets crooked in different ways, depending on which way was the last way I broke it. And the last way I broke it about six weeks ago was apparently to the right. I think it used to tend towards the left. Yeah, I can't remember. 
Oh, look, I even just moved it. Anyway, my nose is useless. That's the point. Okay, here we go. Mmm. Mmm. Such a nice mouthfeel. Oh, and then, oh, yeah, prickly at the end. Oh, that's great. Mmm. This is a beer I would rather not be doing live. I'd, I'd like to spend a bit of time with it. But with that in mind, first immediate impressions, incidentally, not incidentally, interestingly, as I just noted with an unfiltered response, um, the very first thing that, that really strikes me about this beer is its, um, like its body, its presentation. It's got a really nice weight to it. It's not quite creamy, but it's, it's close. Um, but then the finish... Um, there's quite a, a prickly carbonation and the hopping on the finish comes in um, quite evergreeny which with that prickly carbonation just annihilates that that weight in a good way um, it's not a, a heavy lingering uh, beer the finish oh and it's a little tart actually now that I think about it like berry like This is what I'm saying. I kind of wish I'd... I'd just like to do this on my own. No offense. But I'm happy to do it with you. Okay. What are the fruits we're getting? There's definitely some uh, citrus in there. Tending maybe even towards lemon, uh, but grapefruity. Oh, there is a tart note that's, that's very uh, orangey or clementine-y. It's interesting because in IPAs, when we talk about grapefruit and lemon, we're talking about citrusy notes, which that's all hop. I mean, citrus is just hops. You don't really get it anywhere else unless you put citrus in the beer, like actual citrus. Um, and so in that case, you're talking about the hops. It's, it's the terpenes. It's the oils, the essential oils. Um, and it's different combinations of them. Um, a, individual ones have specific things they taste like, and then when you mix them together, they can g give you interesting things. Um, and of course, hops can be citrusy, they can be tree fruity, they can be tropical, they can be evergreeny, they can be earthy, they can be herbal. Um, which is it? Is it sabro? Can be coconutty of all things. Um, these are all the, the essential oils, the terpenes. Terpenes? I think it's terpenes. What's interesting in hops is when we talk about citrus and we talk about especially uh, grapefruit and lemon. And to a lesser extent, when we talk about like orange and people say like the peel or the skin, um, these are our, our tastes that are citrusy, but which are bitter focused, right? It's the bitterness of uh, lemon or lime, sometimes peel, grapefruit peel. And also grapefruit juice has a real bitterness to it, which I've, I've said this before, it's a weird grown-up taste. Um, it's quite sweet, especially pink grapefruit, but with a real bitter note to it. Lemons are a tricky one. They're very acidic, so they're very sour. But have you ever noticed how sticky lemon juice is? That's because lemons are very high in sugar. Lemons would be like painfully sour 
if they didn't have a ton of sugar in them as well. That's the only reason why we use them in things like squeezing them into our water or in cooking, is there's enough natural sugar in the citrus fruit to, to sweeten it up. The thing that you, I was gonna say don't get, obviously that's not true because we're talking about it here. But historically, and even going back five years, six years, maybe a little further back, what you typically didn't get from the citrus notes in hops was actual tartness, right? You'd get bitterness, you'd get floral qualities. Again, if you get into the evergreens, dank, earthy, whatever. But actual tartness is a bit of, I don't know if it's that brewers are getting better with how they use their hops, or if the hops themselves are presenting more of that, or if it's a bit of both. Um, I maybe would have to ask a brewer who knows more about this. Um, but this is an IPA. So I'm pretty sure this might have wheat in it, and wheat can give a tartness to a beer, um, like wheat in the malt bill. Um, but you also can get some of that off of the hops. And this one definitely, there is an actual tart acidity to the beer. It's not a sour beer. It's not even close to that, but there is a tartness to that fruity quality in the beer that, um, that's a fairly new thing in the world of IPAs, uh, especially, I mean, exclusively in new world IPAs. You're not going to get that in a, in a traditional British IPA. Um, or at least you shouldn't. Um, but that idea of tartness again, it's not sour. It's not a sour beer. Don't, don't get that in your mind, but that citrusy quality actually has some, some tartness. Again, I assume that there's probably a bit of wheat in here that can be adding to it as well. Uh, but that's one of the things I'm getting really got sidetracked there for a second. Actually, there's a bit more pine on the nose now. It could just be that the, the, the scents are settling into my, uh, my brain. When you smell something, like you're actually getting little particles of it in the air and it attaches to receptors in, in well, mostly your nose, uh, your upper mouth, back of your throat. Um, and I don't know about the science here, but personally I find it actually takes a little while for my brain to detangle that. So if there's something really prevalent, you'll get it. Um, but if it's a little bit more of a mixed bag, it takes my brain a little while to figure that stuff out. Might just be my brain. My brain's bounced off the inside of my skull more times than since I can remember. That's true. Also more than is good for me. Yeah, this is just like a hop show, which it should be. It's a New England IPA. There is almost no perceived bitterness from the hops. Again, if you're a person who thinks you don't like IPAs because you don't like bitter beers, this beer is not bitter, uh, not by a, a long stretch. In fact, I did notice I was, you know, I always try and avoid reading the can, but I did notice uh, as I was pouring it, it's only 20 IBU. Now that's almost certainly calculated. Maybe Muddy York is uh, lab testing it, but I suspect that's a calculated value. But still, 20 IBU in, a, uh, in an IPA, that means almost none of these hops went in in the boil at all. They might have gone in at flame out when you turn the heat off and the temperature starts to lower. They might have been put in in the whirlpool, which is after the beer is done boiling, uh, you whirlpool it to get any particulate matter to uh, f 
form a cone in the middle. You're basically clarifying it uh, to some extent. And obviously you can add things like hops and other flavoring agents into the Whirlpool. Um, just read an, a very interesting article about my friend Bim at Godspeed. Uh, and possibly the most insightful thing that he said in the whole article was like two little sentences talking about using green tea and beer. And he said, when you're using those types of ingredients, you have to treat them the way you would treat them in the kitchen. So if you're making a pot of tea, do you put the tea in and then boil it? I think he said for 15 minutes, which maybe you would put it in with 15 minutes left to go in the boil. And he said, no, of course not. You would just get a stringency out of that. Um, you would brew the tea off the boil and only let it steep for a short amount of time. And so you need to do the same in beer if what you want is the taste of the green tea the way that you're familiar with it. And so that in of itself shouldn't be particularly insightful, and yet it, it probably is for a lot of brewers. And then I would expand that and say that if you're a brewer who wants to use non-traditional ingredients, I mean, you can do what you want. It's your brewery. But if you don't have experience using that ingredient in another real-world way, and again, we're talking about non-brewing ingredients, um, odds are you're not going to make good use of that ingredient. So I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying, hey, if you want to use a non-standard ingredient, get familiar with the ingredient on its own first. And especially if it's an ingredient that has another preparation, green tea here being a, a perfect example, get used to making pots of green tea that taste the way you want them to, and then apply that process to your brewing. Figure out how to put that into your brewing process. Don't just think, oh, the green tea that I steep for six minutes in a pot of water that's off a boil and is cooling as it steeps. I can just take that and throw it in the boil and then let it ferment for six weeks and it'll be exactly the same. Um, it won't be. Um, taste uh, flavors, those components, uh, they tend to be volatile. And um, if you, you remember, was it last week we were talking about a, a beer that tasted cooked? Um, things change depending on what you do with them. So that was a very insightful thing. And, and I would uh, more than second the idea, A, that brewers shouldn't just be brewers. You should be, um, you should be curious all the time and you should be tasting everything not just beer not just drinks but any time you consume anything and it's tiring and it's tiresome um and it's you know i i, I did my my apprenticeship as a french chef um i very rarely eat something just to stick in my mouth and chew it and swallow it um even when I'm eating like a cliff bar before I go to rugby practice, I genuinely am parsing out the oats and the sugars and the chocolates. Become curious about the things that you put in your mouth. All the things. Hey, get your mind out of the gutter, guys, in terms of food. And think about the way ingredients taste, the way ingredients work together. And again, if you're going to brew with non-standard ingredients, learn how to use those ingredients in their own right before you try and use them in beer. What were we talking about? This is working hard. 
IPA from Muddy York, and I feel like I'm working hard right now. I feel like I'm on a real soapbox. By the way, that article was in some brewing magazine, and it was... I think it was written by Stephen Beaumont. Is that right? He sh No, somebody else shared it. Yeah, I think he wrote it. Um, cool article. Interesting insight. If you know Bim, you know the story. But if you don't, it's a great story. Um, and again, two sentences of very cutting insight, I think. Mm. Yeah. Working hard IPA. Citrusy with a little tartness, for sure. Bit of mango. I picked that up on the nose. I'm getting it now that my brain, as I was saying, has had some time to pull apart all the different flavor components. Really nice. Like, far and away, my favorite part of this beer is, is the, the mouthfeel, the weight of it, and then that finish, prickly, piney finish. By the way, piney on the finish. The tartness is less berry-like the more I spend time with it. Still get little glimmers of maybe like strawberry, but it's it's mostly citrusy and piney. I'm gonna read the can now and see what uh, what they say about it. It's Mosaic and Eldorado. Okay, Eldorado, notoriously lemony hop, and by notoriously I mean in the best possible way. Uh, mosaic can do a lot of different things, but it can actually impart some berry notes. So hey, I'm doing okay here. Um, mosaic also can get quite piney depending on how much you put in it. Um, so that's something to think about. Uh, they say it tastes of mango, stone fruit, and tangerine. Yeah, I can buy that. Stone fruit, when, again, when we say stone fruit, we're talking about peaches, nectarines, pears to some extent. Not pears, pardon me, plums, different pea fruit. Peaches, nectarines, plums. Things with a big old stone in the middle. That's what we're talking about. Um, peachiness? Yeah. That's one of those ones where once somebody tells me, I go, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I could buy some peachiness in there. Yeah, for sure. Not plums. Peaches. That is one thing, and I'm not criticizing Muddy York. Everybody says this. Stone fruit. Tell me which one. Plums and peaches taste distinctly different. Um, again, a nice little tart note on that, which, uh, what do they say, tangerine? Yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, maybe even a touch lemony. This contains water, malted barley, oats, hops, and yeast, so no wheat. So any of that tartness is indeed just coming from the hops. And, and the haze is coming from the oats. Um, which makes sense. That's that's a very common choice. But I would have, I would have definitely thought there was some wheat in there. Who knew? Not me. Evidently, the can knew. The can knew, man. Um, what are we gonna eat while we drink this beer? Well, I'm not eating anything. That's like a dad joke. You can tell if you're watching the video. I do have some uh, Devil's Pale Ale left, but that's not a meal. Uh, these are always so hard. New England IPAs, I don't know. Hang on, I'm going to take a sip and then I'm going to get back on my soapbox. I was already on it once. It might happen more than another time. Okay, I'm going to say something controversial here. 
New England IPAs are great, and I really like them. Man, I love a good IPA. I drink so much cold yellow lager now, and I love it. It's great. Like, I'll just fill my fridge with Czech lagers from Godspeed or Dortmunder or cans of Dab. I've got some Dab in my fridge right now. I just really like lagers. Stark Pils from Amsterdam. Um, Vim and Vigor from Tooth and Nail. Even the premium lager from Great Lakes. Pretty solid, not going to lie. All the Hellas beers you can get. Muddy York, Welly, you name it. Uh, cold, Ice cold beer from Left Field. I drink more of all of those than pretty much anything else. But man, I still like a good IPA. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a couple of levels of hipster. Do you guys ever listen to ska music? It's kind of like when you like first wave and second wave and you can tolerate third wave. That's kind of like what I feel like this beer perspective is. But anyway, have we gotten to the fourth wave of ska? We must have. The third wave was in the 90s. That was like almost 30 years ago. It's probably time for a fourth wave of ska. I wonder what it'll be. Um, the thing that I was going to say that was controversial, despite the fact that I do genuinely love New England IPAs, I don't necessarily think I want to or need to pair this with anything. It's a pretty good beer. I like it the way it is. It's also a bit of a challenging beer to try and pair with something. And, and herein is part of the problem. I always tell people beer pairs more easily with food and cheese, and especially cheese, than wine does. Wine's flavor range is much more uh, concentrated than the world of beer. The world of wine versus the world of beer. The world of beer contains a whole array of flavors. The world of wine, it's not like myopic, but it's... There's a limited variability within the tastes of grapes. Um, I'm not saying it's 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 narrow. It's just a lot more narrow than beer. So um, beer tends to be a bit easier to work with. Um, the the way to think about that's a little bit more. There's probably a lot of things like single items of food that it would be easier to find a really good beer pairing with than a really good wine pairing with. Um, there are things that wine work with way better than beer every day of the week, and we don't have to worry about that. But beer does tend to have a wider uh, array of, of pairing um, profiles. But a New England IPA is not something that I'm just like, I really have a great idea of what we should eat with this. That's my hot take for the night. Like I always say, this is not, New England IPAs are not spicy food beers. For that, you need an IPA that has a much more assertive um, bitterness to it. You need a lot of alpha acids in it. And New England IPAs don't get that. They're very aromatic. So it's like, okay, so like, what can you do with this? Well, I mean, honestly, and this is such a chintzy cheese out, you could make a really cool, like, really frou-frou fruit salad with some herbal components. So with this one... I mean, we're going to put some peaches in there, and I mean like fresh peaches, like not canned peaches. Um, probably some uh, clementine or tangerine um, segments. 
probably put some white grapes in there. That would be nice. Uh, a bit of melon. I'd like a bit of honeydew melon in there. That would be very good. A berry for sure. Probably strawberry. Um, probably not raspberry. Probably go with strawberry. Um, yeah, probably no other berries off the top of my head. Um, oh, maybe it's a bit of a it's a bit of a filler, believe it or not, but some watermelon chunks would go really nice. Hey, beer and a bozo. You were late. I was late. We're all late tonight. But then the key with a good fruit salad like that is uh, flavor it. So all those fruits together are nice, but add some flavors to that. Uh, you know, a popular one, depending on what you put in there, is mint. But we're not going to do that with this. We don't want mint with this IPA. That's not going to be attractive. Uh, what are you going to put in there? Think about tarragon. Um, maybe basil. Maybe both. Tarragon and basil are both... Um, they're not anisette quite, but they both have anisette qualities, licorice qualities, especially the tarragon. Um, yeah, I would do like tarragon and some vanilla would be pretty good in that fruit salad. And then if you ate that with this beer, that would be wild. That would work super well. But then the other thing is, why? <laughs> like, to what end? To eat some fruit salad while you have a beer? Just have the beer, man. It's fine. If you really insist on having it with something, it's going to work well with barbecued white meats. Lightly barbecued, not like not like southern barbecued, like grilled white meats, chicken, pork, maybe with a bit of a citrusy glaze on them. Pfft. See, see how uninspiring that is. Would it taste good? Sure. Tastes great. The beer would stand out. That'd be a nice foundation for the beer to work on. But they're not really going to be elevating each other. They just are going to work well together. A good food pair pairing should elevate both aspects. Um, and actually, that's another. Here comes another soapbox. Get ready, kids. We pair beers with foods to make both the food and the beer taste better. The problem is people always want to pair a beer with something which in principle is fine. Like if you could do a good pairing and they both elevate each other, that would be better. But then people go looking for those things, right? And like, not just looking, but like, they're like, I have to find the thing. And it's like, sometimes you don't. Sometimes a beer is just a good beer and you can just have a good beer. You don't have to pair it with anything. So we don't always have to go that route. That said, I do, as a guy who loves food, like to try and connect you with some ideas. But especially with those New England IPAs, and there are other styles that are similar. There are other styles, too, where it's like, I've already told you what you need to do with this. This beer of this style is going to do the same thing as that beer of that style. So the pairing's still the same. Um, if you want to elevate it. Um, and there's a limited number of those. There isn't an infinite number of those elevating things. Actually, I'm talking in a culinary sense, in a mathematical sense, there is an infinite number, but that's a whole different ball of wax. New England IPAs, I think, are just really good on their own. Like, don't eat them with, don't drink them while you're eating a meal. I mean, feel free to, but don't do it expecting the meal to make the New England IPA better. The New England IPA is... It's an all-in-one, guys, and, and we should celebrate that. Anyway, 
I just had a sip of beer. I'm going to have another sip of beer and then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I was working on and then I'm going to get the heck out of here. I got places to be. It's almost 10 o'clock. I still have to watch an episode of Ted Lasso. Hmm. That IPA, New England IPA as a standalone is perfect. Um, anyway, working hard, New England IPA, Muddy York. I bought this at the LCBO. You can too. You can also buy it at the brewery in East York, where I have not been since before COVID. And that makes me sad because I do like that brewery. It, as I've mentioned on podcasts before, it, the problem is it's a drive now for me. It's not a walk. It's not a, and also I used to kind of work in that neighborhood. I don't work in that neighborhood anymore. So I don't get there nearly as much as I should. So that's unfortunate, but I would suggest you go beautiful space, lovely tap room. Staff is second to none and, and the beers are as noted fantastic. So get yourself over to Muddy York, pick up some working hard. Hmm. Get some of that Porter while you're there, get all of it, but make sure some of it's the Porter between you and me and whoever else is listening. What was I working on? I feel really nervous about saying this because I'm not, I really wanted it to be ready on Wednesday. Wednesday in my mind was my goal. Wednesday is just another day. It's the 17th of November. It's a very inconsequential day, but uh, I kind of work in blocks of a week and Wednesday is the middle of the week. And anyway, I kind of hoped it would be ready. I'm not sure if it will be. It will definitely be ready on the weekend if it isn't ready on Wednesday. Um, but as I say, so few people listen to this podcast. That's not entirely true. Dozens of people listen to this podcast, which incidentally is why there's no advertising in it, because podcasts that have hundreds of thousands of listeners are having trouble finding advertisers right now. I'm not even looking and no one's knocking. Um, I really appreciate everybody who listens to this. I appreciate it when people comment on it or come up to me and talk to me about it. It does genuinely make me feel very good. Uh, and it's why I do it. Um, I do it partially because I do like the thought process, but I really enjoy the notion that other people seem to enjoy it too. Uh, so for those of you listening, whether it's, on Instagram or YouTube or on the podcast player of your choice. Thank you. And this is what I was working on. I think I'm going to make a craft beer zine. You remember zines? I had a buddy in high school. He made a zine about indie rock music. It's called Justy. His name was Chris Slorak. He was a heck of a cool guy. I, as a, another fellow named Chris, I always felt like he was a Chris that I could detain to be. I don't think I ever did. Uh, he was a heck of a cool dude. Really like that guy. Lost track of him ages ago. That happens with high school people. If we were to bump into each other, I'm sure we would chat. It'd be lovely. But he was a really cool dude. And uh, yeah, he made a zine. Classic, you know, cutting out things from magazines, writing things, drawing pictures on paper. Then he photocopied it, folded it distributed it. I, I had every issue. Um, he didn't make many, but, uh, but I had every issue reading about Sebado and Eric's trip and grasshopper, man, remember those bands Remember thrush hermit. That's Joel Plaskett's band, Joel Plaskett. 
man. Anyway, uh, I thought, man, it'd be cool. There are some great, honestly, really good professional beer publications out there. Um, the Growler is is still around. They're doing uh, um, biannual, twice yearly uh, uh, issues. And I know that Jordan, who's their editor, wants to try and get it back to quarterly at least. Um, don't know what's happening with Original Gravity OG. It's the OG. That's cool, but I haven't heard anything from them in a while. Um, I think there's one called The Mash. There was uh, Taps. I don't know what happened to Taps. I uh, haven't seen any of them around in a while. Uh, certainly by no means do I think that that can, that I would compete with them any more than I think that this podcast competes with like terrestrial radio. It doesn't. And I don't, but, uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun. Bring some of my irreverent beer musings to the people. I don't know. That sounds so douchey. Um, but it's going to be fun. A couple of pages. You might find it in a brewery printed out, like on an inkjet, looking a little photocopied. That would be great. That's how I want people to find it. It'll also be available digitally uh, to either download and print or a version that will be downloadable to read on your phone, which is like, I kind of almost didn't even want to do that. But then also I kind of realized that a lot of people might prefer to read it that way. And that's great. I just want to get it out to people. So anyway, I was writing an article about uh, the difference between bottles and cans. I'm not going to give away the ending. You're going to have to pick up your own copy of my zine, which hopefully will be out later this week, at least by the weekend. Look for it in the brewery or the bar near your house or check out uh, Toronto Beer Blog on Instagram and Facebook because I will post links and you can check out the inaugural edition of spent grains. Bye.